Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. God, if you can use anyone, you can use me. Lord, I choose today, God, on this day, on the 21st of November, to say, Lord, I choose to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. I choose not to have a victim mentality, but a miracle mentality. That I will not be defeated, no matter what the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm reminded that you come to give life and life more abundantly. And Lord, today, I just pray for every person in the room. I lift up every single mother, every dad. I lift up every employer and employee. I lift up grandparents to you that maybe have a heavy heart inside the room because of things that have happened throughout this week. I pray, God, today that you would be exalted and the enemy would be defeated and Jesus would be Lord in the room today in Jesus' name. It be not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so, God, today as we study the life of David, I pray, Lord, that it gives us faith. I pray, Lord, that it builds something up in our inner man, the Holy Spirit himself, to our inmost being and personality. I pray, God, today that we would leave here charged, ready to fight the good fight of faith. Move in our midst today, Lord. We invite you into this place. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, open them to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to go to a passage of text that I believe all of us know. But those of you that haven't been here over the last couple weeks, I've been teaching a series called From the Pasture to the Palace. And it's out of a text in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 8. And it's later on when David becomes king. And the Lord speaks to him through the prophet Nathan. And he says, I have taken you out of the palace, or sorry, out of the pasture and anointed you to be king over my people. And in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, it tells us this. I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. And the first week, I talked about how David, the son... You know, I think lots of times we look at people like David or maybe there's a man of God or a woman of God that you look up to, and we think to ourselves this. We think, you know, just overnight they got to the place that where they are. And we're looking at David's life. The Bible says he found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. I'll tell you this. You don't just become a man after God's own heart by sitting on the fence in the rocking chair of life. How many of y'all know you're going to face some battles? How many of y'all know you're going to go up against some giants? How many of y'all know you're going to uh, have your family come against you? And all these things that David went through, there was an anointing on his life to fight the good fight of faith. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, we'll look at all the gear and all the game that they have, but we'll forget the grind that they put into it. I'm telling you, every successful business owner across the United States of America, it didn't just happen overnight. And those that got an inherited business... I'll tell you this, uh, I've I've seen it firsthand with people. If they don't still grind like their daddy did, they'll lose the business that they got. So looking at David's life, there's some things that the Lord set him up for for success, but may may have put that ability out in front of him. But there's some things that we've got to do. How many of y'all know you've got to put your hand to the plow? Are you hearing me? If you don't do the natural, the supernatural won't come into play. I believe God's favor is on my life, but I've still got to get out of bed in the morning. I've still got to put on my jeans. I've still got to work the work. I've still got to go and do, and the Lord is with me. How many of y'all believe that? And so looking at his life, we saw David as a son, and if you didn't hear that message, I believe there's something in that for all of us of how he had been rejected by his daddy. As Saul 
or Samuel is looking for the next king, uh, the Lord found him, the youngest one. But then last week we looked at 1 Samuel chapter 16, <clears throat> where it talks about how he was a worshiper before he was a warrior. How many of y'all know the Bible says in Psalm 16 and verse 11, in God's presence, well, the Bible says you will show me the path of life. That's what it says in Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. And so uh, David found this out, whether it was tending to the sheep or whatever it was that he was doing, he got in God's presence because it strengthened him and encouraged him. How many of y'all have ever been in moments before, if I could just get into God's presence, I know I'm going to be okay. There's been times in my life where I've been in loss. There's been times in my life I don't know what the next step is, that I need wisdom. And you know what I do? I get in prayer. I get in the presence of God. And men, what I did last week is I encouraged all of us, let's step up our game. Women have been worshiping and praying since the beginning of time. I believe if we're going to see revival, the men have got to man up and worship the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Can I get an amen from the men? But this week... So we saw him as a worshiper before he was a warrior. And I believe the Lord sees this. If you're going to be a warrior in my kingdom, you've got to be a worshiper first. But the second part of this is a warrior. And and I want to tell you this. Before I even get into the text today, uh, you'll never be a David unless you go up against some giants. I'm going to say that one more time because I believe there's some people. Aunt Donna, you'll never be a David unless you go up against some giants. Yeah. What, what, what kind of giant are you? And, and I want to ask in the room today, what kind of giant are you facing? There's some of you in the room that you may be fi- facing a giant of addiction. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say faithful. How many of y'all know the Lord is faithful? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. If you're in a, up against a giant right now, maybe in a relationship with your kids or with your spouse, wherever it is, I want to remind you of Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 1 through 3. How many of y'all have enjoyed the study of Ephesians in the morning on our time? In the morning. I love the book of Ephesians, but it, I'm going to skip ahead here. But in chapter 4, we're about to get here in our morning time. But it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want to tell you, if you're up against the giant today financially, the Bible tells us, Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I want to tell you, if you're facing a giant today with your children, the Bible says in Jeremiah 31.17, There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. How many of y'all believe in God for your kids to come back to the land of the living in Jesus' name? Amen? If you're facing a giant of fear, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. And so if you have your Bibles, open them in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I know all of us know this text, but talking about David being the warrior, you can't tell it without talking about David and Goliath. I love this story, but I believe if you lean in, the Lord's going to show you something new in the text maybe you've never seen before. It says, now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle and were assembled at Sokah, which belongs to Judah. This is a place that actually belonged to the Israelites. But what had happened was, is Saul had dropped his guard and the enemies were looking for an open door. 
Can I tell you this? You want to keep the enemy away? Don't have any open doors in your life. Right away, when I look at this text, they are on the wrong property. How many of y'all know, remember the song, Oh, I went to the Yellow camp. Now, if you weren't raised in a holy mackerel tabernacle, you may, you may not remember that one, but, uh, but I was. And so, uh, listen, I, I tone it down lots of times for you guys, but uh, we sing this song, Oh, I went to the enemy's camp. Like, you can't even clap on the one and three in this one, John. You got to clap in the two and four, like the soul brothers coming out of you. Oh, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. See, right away, they had taken something that didn't belong to them. How many of y'all know in this particular case right here, we're going to face some giants if we're going to take back what belongs to us? Listen, if you're going to be a David and you're going you're, uh, you're to live in victory in your life, there's going to be some times where you're going to have to go up against some conflict, some things that may be uncomfortable for you, but I'm here to tell you that God is with you. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so it goes on to say, Saul, and so it said, and they camped between Soka and Azekai in Ephes Domin. Verse 2, Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they camped at the valley of Elah and assembled in battle formation to meet the Philistines. The battle of Elah from the place of where the Philistines were was about four miles. That means they were close. I don't know about you, but the Bible says this, flee every, flee from, uh, every form of evil. How many of y'all know we don't need to, need to get close to the enemy? But because of open doors in their life, they let them get close in. It says the Philistines were standing on the mountain on one side and Israel was standing on the mountain of the other side with the valley between them. Now, I've never been there. Uh, I'm hoping to go in February to Israel. Praise the Lord. If you want to go with me, come, come, come see me after the service. I'll give you the details, and I'm excited to go. But they say at the valley there of Elah, of where this took place, it literally looks like, what was that movie, Gladiators? It was down inside of a, in a valley. But the point about the valley is, is you, don't be afraid of the valley because the valley's a place of conflict, but that's where battles are won. Listen, you may be in a valley situation right now. You may be up against some things that you may not understand. But I'm telling you, it's in the valley where battles are won. Can I get an amen from God's people this morning? So it goes on to say, it says, Then a champion came out. Is it all right if we just read the word today? This is a Bible church, if you didn't know. We believe in the whole Bible, the Old and the New Testament. Amen? It says, Then a champion came out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, this is eight foot. Uh, there's some commentators that say he's eight, to nine, eight foot nine inches tall. There's some that say he's nine foot eight inches tall. Either way, this is a big joker, right? You can see in the book of Genesis from the, from the Nephilim where, where uh, fallen angels had, had uh, bred with people on the earth. There's several different things that happened here, but there's also beliefs that maybe he had uh, the same disease that Andre the Giant had. I've read all kinds of commentary. How I many of y'all remember like old school WWF wrestling? Like when it was real, y'all. Like Jake the Snake, come on. Jake the Snake, uh, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, all of not them Neds that are on there today. It's fake today. Back then it was real. It was like a saga that was real that you couldn't wait to see. 
But there was Andre the Giant. He lived in, in I, I forget what happens. It's something in your body that just produces. And up until the day he died, he kept growing. He was a great, great big man. But one of the things that happens, and people say that, he, that Goliath may have had the same disease that he had, was because um, uh, one of the things that goes is your eyesight. Because of uh, hormones in your body just keep producing and producing. And when, he, when Goliath says to David, you come at me with sticks. Well, he didn't have sticks. He only had one stick. His eyes were going blurry. But that's just commentary. But my whole point is, this is a big dude with an attitude and extremely rude. <laughs> I'm a poet and didn't even know it. Come on, somebody. That just came to me. All right. It's going to be a good day. It says in verse 8, let's skip down because it talks about all the things that he had and uh, it talks about his armor. In fact, commentary tells us this, that his, that his armor weighed five to 700 pounds. So if that weighed that much, I'm, I'm, you know this is a big guy. The Bible says in verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the battle lines of Israel. So Israelites are on one side, Philistines are on the other, saying to them, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if, but if prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, if I defy the battle lines of Israel this day, give me a man so that we may fight together. Verse 11, pay attention. It says, when Saul and all Israel heard, everybody say heard. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were, not dismay, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Can I point out this? They weren't afraid by what they saw. They were afraid by what they heard. Come on, a lot today of what I'm going to talk about is we've got to be careful of the things that come out of our mouth. Because the things that you say out of the mouth are things that you're going to hear inside of your head. You know, I'll tell you this, just going back, coming back from the pandemic, we... I, I, I'll say this, com, coming out of that, people were not afraid necessarily, and there's people saw some things that, that uh, honestly, and I'll tell you, I did too, but more people were afraid by what they heard than by what they saw. Can I tell you this? The enemy's biggest uh, uh, weapon against you is not by what you see, but it's by what you hear. Can I tell you this? The Bible says, faith walketh by, uh, uh, we walketh by faith and not by so, also, too, when he's talking about sight, he's talking about senses. I'm, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm not going to walk by what I see, by what I hear, by what I smell. I'm going to be walking by faith that he's still on the throne, that he's still the king of kings, that he's still the Lord of lords. We sang this morning, I still got a reason to praise, that he's still on the throne. How many of y'all thankful that Jesus is still on the throne today? No matter your situation. The Bible goes on to say, I want you to skip down to verse 16. The Bible uh, talks about, in, th- there it talks about David. He went back and forth from Saul to tend, the, tend to his father's sheep. But it says in verse 16 something that's always pointed out to me. It says, the Philistine Goliath. So every day he's coming up. And he said, who will you choose to fight me today? And they were scared by what they heard, but not by what they saw. And it says, come out morning and evening and took his stand for 40 days. You know what that tells me? Is that the enemy doesn't take any days off. I mean, y'all know the Bible says the enemy not only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but the Bible says that the devil roams about the earth like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What did the Bible tell you in 
Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, guard your heart with all diligence. Can I tell you this? The enemy is diligent. Every morning and every night for 40 days, they sent this Goliath, this negotiator, out there against the people of Israel. Can I tell you, morning and night, you're going to have to serve the Lord. Amen. Are you hearing me? Morning and night, you're going to have to take up your, day, your cross daily. You're going to have to be led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. You're going to have to cast, cast the flesh down at 8 a.m. and at 8 p.m. Right. And at noon and at 1 and at 2 when they cut you off. Come on, somebody. And you want to tell them you're number one. Don't look at me like you're all high and mighty. I know there's some of y'all out there. All right? Absolutely. But my whole, my whole point is this. The enemy doesn't take any days off. That means you can't take any minutes off. Are you hearing me? All right. Y'all getting something out of the word so far. So David, he comes and he enters the zone where the conflict took place. I want you to pick up. Uh, let's pick up in verse 23. So his dad says to him, he says, I want you to take some food to your older brothers because I love them more than you. And so as he goes there with some, you know, some pizza and some cheese and uh, all kinds of different stuff, the Bible says this. Let's pick up in verse 23. As he was talking with him, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words again, and David now heard him. So he's there. When the men of Israel all saw the man, they fled from him and were frightened. The men of Israel said, have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. The king will reward the man who kills him. Great riches. And he will give him his daughter. So he's going to get money. He's going to get his, the girl. And make his father's house free in Israel. So now his family doesn't have to pay taxes. This day... That would definitely be a blessing. And then in verse 26, this is the part that I really want you to lean in on right here. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by. So all these men, they're in hiding. They're eating the food that Jesse, his dad, sent with David to the place. And he hears the same words that Goliath spoke. He saw the same Goliath that they could see. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and remove this disgrace from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God? Now, when I read this, yesterday I wrote a few things down that I want you to take into consideration. Number one, when he says this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who has taunted and defied the armies of the living God? When David shows up to the scene, he shows up with a miracle mentality and not the victim mentality. I believe in this cancel culture we live in today, we need to hear this. That you as the people of God, you don't show up with a victim mentality, you show up with a miracle mentality. This is coming from the same guy that said in Psalm 103 and verse uh, 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. Here is the same guy that had been rejected by his brothers, his dad, right? He's the one that was the youngest. He was the one that was out in the field. He'd been rejected most of his life. 
He could have said, this is just another battle. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm sick of fighting for my own life. But he showed up. He said, you know what? When I was in the pasture, God was with me. And he's still with me today. And the giant may be big, but he's not bigger than God. And so I'm not going to be a victim to the things that I've gone through. I'm going to stand and fight. And he was there with me with the lion and the bear. He'll be with me today against this giant. Come on, how many of y'all know in the time and day we live in today, we don't need to have a victim mentality. We need a miracle mentality. And there's some of you that if, if this wouldn't have happened or should have, would have, could have, can I tell you that shame, guilt, that's condemnation, those are all things of what the enemy would have you to see and look at. But can I tell you, we need to look in the future. I say it all the time. I love the Carmen song, but it says, when the enemy reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Can I tell you, the battle is already won. The race has already been won. Amen? We just have to claim the victory. We're still going to face giants. We're still going to go up against some people. But I, I don't know about you, but I'm going to make... <clears throat> I'm going to make the decision today. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. I'm going to be in the miracle mentality, not a victim's mentality. Are you hearing me today? Another thing that I see from this saying is this. He reminded himself of his covenant that he had with God. Can I tell you this? We need to remind ourselves of the covenant that we have with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's a scripture. I marked it this morning. Uh... I was trying to find it, and I found it, but it says in Psalm 89 and verse 34, it says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. You know what David was saying? He said, I have a covenant with my grandpappy's pappy's pappy, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God told Abraham, I will bless those that bless you, and I'll curse those that curse you. So I'm a covenant man, and who defies a covenant man like me and wins. I'm going, we need to remind ourselves of the covenant that God made with us. Are you hearing me? Here's the third thing that I see when he said this. I see this, what God started, he will finish. God had promised David that he would be king, right? But he ain't going to come king without going up against a giant. You know what's going to pull kingship out of David is a Goliath. And can I tell you this, Dad? What's going to pull kingship out of you as well is going to be some Goliaths. But this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So he says in 17 and verse 26 there from Israel, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that has taunted and defied the armies of the living God? Of course, his brother gets mad at him. You can look at that text, but I really want to skip to verse 31. It says, when the words of David spoke were heard, the men reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Can I tell you this? There may just be one of you in your household that is full of faith-filled words, but it only takes one to get the attention of a king. Whether it be the wife or whether it be the husband, I'm just saying this, it only takes one. Think of all of Israel here. It just took one, and his name was David. And so in verse 32, and I, I want to point this out, and you'll see this right here. What, what David does is he minimizes the enemy with his words, and Saul maximizes the enemy with his words. I'll tell you this. You can either glorify a Goliath in your house and make him bigger, or you can minimize him with the same words that come out of your mouth. Are you hearing me? I hope you do. 
Faith-filled words always get the attention of the king. Verse 32, it says, David said to Saul, Let no man's courage fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go out and fight the Philistines. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight him, for you are only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion and a bear came and took out uh, took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after it and attacked it and rescued the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I seized it by its whiskers and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. A few things that I wrote down, uh, actually they were inside of my Bible that I had been studying this text. The Lord had just re- released me to share this. But I, I want you to see something in the text here. Number one is this. In all of what I just read, David responded with courage, but Saul responded with worry. When a giant comes into your life, you can either respond with worry or you can respond with courage. Can I tell you, sometimes it takes a few days to really build up that courage because, we, we, you know, of, of the things that we're looking at, the giant that we're up against. But David, he responded with courage. Can I tell you, faith looks ridiculous to the outside world, right? But he knew if he was with me with the lion and the bear, I know he will be with me up against this thing that's bigger than the lion and the bear. And I want to remind some people today, maybe you fought the lion and maybe you fought the bear, but and you're up against the giant right now. The same God that was with you with the lion and the bear will be with you up against the giant. But, but can I tell you, it, faith looks ridiculous to the outside world. Think about Noah building a boat. What are you doing? I'm building a boat. What's a boat? I don't know. It's going to rain. What's rain? The Bible says at that time it hadn't rained. What's rain? I don't know. Water from the sky. You're crazy. Yeah, I know. But faith looks crazy. How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all know it looked crazy when Naaman was supposed to dip in the Jordan seven times and come out and be healed? It looked crazy when Elisha was told to dig a ditch. It looked crazy when Elijah called down fire from heaven. It looked crazy when Lazarus, when Jesus said, roll the stone away. It looked crazy when a boy showed up to the party with five loaves and two fish. It looked crazy when Moses... when, when God told Moses, what do you have in your hand? It looked crazy when God told Joshua, pray that the sun stands still. It may look crazy, but I'm telling you, faith is like gravity. It always works. Are you hearing me? We walk by faith and not by sight. It may look crazy to tithe, but how many of y'all know he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake? It may look crazy to forgive your enemies, but how many of y'all know it works? It may look crazy in this case to run after a giant, but if God be for me, then who in the world can be against me? Come on, how many of y'all getting some out of the word today? I hope you are. And the next thing is this that I see right here in this particular text that we just saw. Saul had facts, but David had faith. The facts were that giant was nine foot six inches tall. The facts were that his armor was five to seven hundred pounds. The, the facts were that Goliath's sword would take him out. The facts were this. Saul looked only through, the, through hand-to-hand combat. But David, he believed the God that was with me in that slingshot out there with the lion and the bear is the God that will be with me this day. 
I'll tell you this, faith looks at the same circumstance but sees through a different lens. Faith looks at the same circumstance, but it sees it through a different lens. I've said it many times before. I believe he said this. He may be big, but he's not bigger than my God. He may have been, big, he may have been around longer than I've been here, but he wasn't here before the Lord. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 11.4, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not plant. Reap. We got to walk by faith and not by sight. The last thing that I see in that particular text was Saul responded with his opinion, but David responded with God's word. How many of y'all know God's word is bigger than any opinion that we could have? Let's go on because I really want to hit this next one pretty hard. It says in verse 38 Then Saul dressed David in his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and put a coat of mail on him. Then David fastened his sword over his armor and tried to walk because he was not used to them. And David said to Saul, I cannot, I cannot go with these because I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Then he took his shepherd's staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones. There wasn't just one giant. He had four brothers. He's going to take them all out. And put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had. That is, in a shepherd's pouch, which is his sling in his hand. He approached the Philistine. Now, I've heard this before that... How many of y'all had those slingshots when you were a kid? You know, they had the, um, they had like the surgical tubing on them. Now, I'll tell you this. I had one in, in uh, they can break glass. I'll just go ahead and say that. All right. And they had those BBs that they sold, the marksman's BBs. But I'll tell you this. If you left it out in the sun, that surgical tubing would like dry rot. You'd pull it back. and I mean, <laughs> have you ever had one break? I had one break one time. One got me like right there in, in the middle of my forehead. But those were fast, but, but commentary says this, that during the time of Israel, uh, uh, during this time of David, that they could sling those so fast that, uh, now I have a hard time believing this, but how many of y'all know an angel could be behind that, that stone to, to get it going? But to embed it inside of his head, that it, ha- it would be the caliber of a weapon, of slinging that stone. Isn't that amazing? But in verse 38, he says, Then Saul dressed David in his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head, put a coat of mail on him. The first thing that I want you to pick out in this particular text right here, because Saul, what he's trying to do, and if you're going to go up against this giant, you have to wear what I wear. And you have to fight like I fight. But David's looking at him. You fight like a coward inside of a tent, looking out and not doing anything about it. I just want to point this out because it says, Then Saul dressed David in his garments and put a bronze on his helmet. The first thing that I want to tell you is this. We have to be very careful who dresses us. Don't let the news dress you, people. Let's not... uh, uh, He he, In David, he respectfully uh, declines, but there's a scripture I was looking for this morning. But in 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Be not deceived, evil communication corrupts... Good manners. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, pleasing unto him. Be ye not conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all 
that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. And he who does the will of God abides forever. Think about it. We live in a cancel culture and a compromising world. Can I tell you, the church compromises more today than it ever did 25 and 30 years ago. How many of y'all know we need to live by the principles and teachings of the Word of God? We, we, don't, we don't need to let other churches and other Christians and other people dress us. Let's let the Word of God dress us. Are you hearing me? I mean, just a few years ago, uh, I, 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 was, I was thinking about this. this. They were saying, this is what you do. I, I, you know, going back to the pandemic, you know, wearing a mask and and staying six feet apart and getting shots and uh, you're going to have to take order takeout the rest of your life. I don't want you to go see your family. I, I, how many of y'all know we need to be careful who dresses us? The, the world would say, you know, just drink one. Or the world would say, um, you know, in your relationship with your fiance, you know, you need to test drive the car before you own it. Um, the, the world would say the whole world's gay. Am I gay or are they gay? And in and, 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 and talking about compromising and parenting or uh, just, just put it on a credit card. I'm telling you, we got to be careful who dresses us. It, it only has a little bit. And you know, um, golly, I could go on and on and on. It's just a little bit of gossip. It's just a little bit of marijuana. Rather than being a cancel culture or compromising culture, let's be the church that lives in a culture of conviction and a culture of your calling. Be careful who, uh, who dresses you. I, I, I wrote down some examples right here. Eve had a snake. Elijah had a Jezebel. Job had friends. Peter had a mother-in-law. David had a king. Jesus had Pharisees. Apostle John had a proconsul of Rome. Esther had Haman. And Daniel had a culture. But they were careful. Listen, they either row, they, you rise and fall to the level of your friends. Be careful who dresses you. Are you hearing me? Here's the second thing that I took from that text is he took what he had uh, and not what was given to him. Can I tell you, there's all kinds of things today in order for you, and I'm not against medicine, but can I tell you, we'll put more trust in the medicine than in the healer. Right? He took what he had, and can I tell you, we live in a world today, there's something for everything. If you smell this, or you have this aroma or aura inside of your home, and there's all kinds of religions. Can I tell you, David said, you know what, that's how you dress yourself for battle. But I'm old school, I still believe in faith. I still believe that we have a healer. I still believe in prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I still believe in the power of God. This is what it says in Psalm 147. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. He un, he, his understanding is infinite. He said, I still believe in the power of confession. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If I confess with my mouth, I believe this giant's going to come down. The next thing I believe, I believe he still believed in the power of the name of God. Proverbs 18 says, 10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are made safe. I believe he still believed in scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness. I believe he still believed. You know what, Saul, what you can't give me is the presence of God. In God's presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. He will show me the path of life. You said, 
Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. I have overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony. The blood still works today. I believe that with all my heart. The name of God still works today. Come on, prayer still works today. You try to give me everything you want to and watch commercials of all kinds of things. You need to go see all this and do all that. Can I tell you this? The word still works if you just work it. Are you hearing me? I'm coming to a close. I need to hurry up. How many of y'all have got something out of the word? I hope you have. It says in verse 41, Then the Philistine came and approached David and the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked around and saw David... He derided and disparaged him because he was just a young man with a ruddy complexion and a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with staffs? See there? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, come to me and I will give you the flesh from the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come with you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This is before he slings the stone. Can I tell you this? He is winning with his mouth before he even slings his stone. I'm telling you, before you ever sling your stone, you better win with your mouth before you sling anything. I'm sweating. And that this entire assembly may know that the Lord does not save with the sword or with the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will hand you over to us. When the Philistines rose and came forward to meet David, David ran quickly to the battle, meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone penetrated his forehead. He fell face down to the ground. He then gets, goes to the giant, takes the giant's sword, cuts off his head, takes his head. I love this part. You know, at this time, uh, Jerusalem was owned, uh, was, was the city of Jebus and because they were, uh, it was overran by the Jebusites. And the Bible tells us this, this is what I believe happened. He takes that head of the giant outside the, the, the path of arrows and javelins to be thrown and he puts it out there and he says, this is what happens when you mess with a covenant man of God. How many of y'all want to put the head of the giant on here today and say, this is what happens when you mess with a covenant man of God? But there's something right here that I want you to see. First of all, he won with his mouth way before he won slinging the sting, uh, sling. Can I tell you this? You will win more with your words than you will win with anything else. Are you hearing me today? The Bible says in Mark eleven twenty three and 24, I will say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be cast in the sea, and not doubt my heart, and it will be done for me. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. You win with death and life is in the power of the tongue. And you know what's crazy is as many, many times as I can talk about this, y'all still don't listen. You'll call me and you'll just give me this report and it's gloom, despair, and agony on me. I want to hang up on you. What I want to do is agree with you. Amen. All right. Let's pray that in Jesus' name. No, 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 no. No, pastor. That's not why I'm calling you. Then why are you calling me? You call in faith, not in facts. Come on. That's where it starts. You don't call me to get the faith. I mean, there's some of you that may need to do that, but some of y'all have been serving God for 10 and 15 years. You need to get your tongue right. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. 
I'll tell you, he killed the giant first with his words before he ever killed him with his sling. The next thing that I see in, in this particular text, the natural leads to the supernatural. If he didn't run, the giant would still be alive. If he didn't collect the stone, the giant would still be alive. If he didn't swing the sling, the giant would still be alive. See, if Peter wouldn't have stepped out of the boat, he wouldn't have seen a miracle. If Naaman had not dipped in the Jordan River seven times, he wouldn't have seen a miracle. If they hadn't marched around Jericho seven times, they'd have never seen the miracle. If Esther had not met with the king, they wouldn't see a miracle. If they wouldn't have got the pots of water at the wedding at Cana, they'd have never seen the miracle. If Noah had never built the boat, they would have never seen the miracle. I want deliverance. We'll get new friends. That's you collecting your stones. I, I, I want deliverance from pornography. We'll, we'll get a flip phone. Or put something on your phone. Or I'm just saying natural lead to the supernatural. I'm not saying that God can't redeem you of that. But if you don't take some steps, it's never going to happen for you. I want friends. Well, stop being a jerk. Is that hard? Sometimes you're a bad dude with an attitude and extremely rude. I'm just flowing today. I, I need help in my marriage. Well then, or I need a date. Well take a shower and put on some cologne and comb your hair. It's a miracle. I need something in my kids. Well, pay attention to them. Put the phone down at night and look at your kids. You know what I did Friday night? I painted a nutcracker. <laughs> me and Catch. And I'm so competitive. I realize, I realize this about me. I'm watching Brandy paint her nutcracker, and I see she is not staying in the lines. <laughs> and my nutcracker, y'all, it was dope. It was like... Red top, white rim, said USA on the top. Mine had a sword. Hers had like this stupid little stick. <laughs> and she's like, have Catch help you. And I said, he is not touching my nutcracker. You see how this is, this is, this, it's, look how amazing this nutcracker is. My whole point is this. We sat at the table. We looked at each other in the eyes. We talked with one another. We played had Home Alone 2 playing on, on the screen. That's what a family does. Can I tell you, family's gotten away from that. That's why I'm sharing it. We blow and go too, but we take time. We take time to be with one another. The last thing that I see is this, that he cut off the head and he turned on the faith. I love it that Goliath died by his own sword. Can I tell you, the haters that are out there hating on you, they'll die by their own sword as well. The Bible tells us in Psalm 5 and verse 10, Hold them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own designs and counsel. Cast them out because of the abundance of their transgressions, for they are mutinous and have rebelled against you. I believe this. Lots of times we hit the giant, but don't cut off its head. See, when we cut off the giant's head, 
it affects both sides. The Bible says when he cut that head off, they fought till the sun went down until all the Philistines were gone. Can I tell you, dads, when I look at David's life, he fought the good fight of faith. He didn't just end up in the palace. He had to face some giants. And I'm telling you the same thing. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I hope you got something out of the word today and hope you saw something new in the text. But I want to reiterate this as well before we go. If you're going to be a warrior, it's going to start with this thing right here. Say that one more time. If you're going to be a warrior, it's going to start with this right here. Say it one more time. If you are going to fight for your family, you better start fighting with the words that come out of your mouth. Death and life's in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I'm not going I'm, I'm to be led this week by what I hear, by what I see. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. David was a warrior. Can I tell you this? Those of you that are going up against a giant right now, I can't wait to celebrate with you when you go back to the enemy's camp and you put it there and say, you know what? This is what happens when you mess with the covenant family of God. This is what happens. You know that testimony, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We have people come up here that's been delivered from, you know, cancer and been healed in their body. And God's made, made what the enemy meant for evil and turned around for good. That's what we're doing. We're putting the giant out in front of the enemy and saying, you know what? You know what's the best part about that? That was, this, that was Jay Buse. That's the Jebusites had taken it over. And he said, this is what happens when you mess with the covenant man of God. You know what David did in his lifetime? He took Jerusalem back and they called it the city of David. He took Jerusalem back. And he said, you know what? If God, the, God was with me against the giant, he'll be up against me at any stronghold that comes against me. Can I tell you? I'll say it again. You'll never be a David, a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart, unless you face some giants. And I want to encourage you today. It may be big, but it's not bigger than God. Come on. It may be big, but it's not bigger than God. And there may be some territory that's been taken away from you. I, I can't wait to celebrate with you. When you go back into that place and say, now, this is the city of Lavanda. Enemy, you tried to take it from me years ago, but not anymore. This is the city of Donna. Amen. This is the city of Richard. This, this is the city of Jared. This is the city of Jared. And God dwells in the city of Travis. Amen. God dwells in the city of Joe, in the city of Becky, in the city of DJ. Come on, in the city of Andy, in the city of Taylor. I'm going to the enemy's camp, and I'm taking back what belongs to me. And God's going to say this. He truly is a man or a woman after God's own heart. Woo! I hope you got something today. Amen? To every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're in this room and you say, you know what, Pastor? I don't know Jesus is my Lord. If you're in the room today and you say, you know what? There's a problem with my life and it's called sin. I don't feel close to God because of this thing in my life. The, the problem is sin 
But the solution is Jesus. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans tells us, tells us that. So there has to be a, there is a penalty for sin and it's death. But the solution that God gave, he looked, he looked at the, uh, John the Baptist, John the Baptist, when he saw him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of all the world. The Bible tells us in John chapter 3, when Jesus was meeting with Nicodemus at, at night, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not come to the world, condemn the world, but that through him we might be saved. So the solution is Jesus. Can I tell you about Jesus? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. If you don't have a relationship with our Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us Romans 10, 9, 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that he died on the cross and on the third day he rose again. He was buried and on the third day he rose again. He come live on the inside of you. He'll forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if there's sin in your life, at one time you were close to the Lord, but maybe because of sin, you turn your back on him. And today you heard the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is a Savior that wants to fight your battles for you. If you're in the room and say, you know what, I was away from God. Maybe you've never came to the Lord, but today you see the solution is Jesus. The response is what you do. It's repent. And he'll forgive you of your sins. If that's you, and you say, you know what, Pastor, you're talking about me right now. Just lift your hand and say, you know what, that's me. I'm away from God. I need to come to the Lord. I'm away from God and I need to come to the Lord. Amen. I believe everybody's saved. Y'all look at me. Hey, this week when you fight your battles, prayer still works. You don't need all that stuff the world's trying to give you. Prayer still works. The presence of God still works. The name of the Lord still works. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Amen. Jehovah Nisi, he is my victory. Amen. Jehovah Sikhanu, he's my righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, he's the God of peace. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they're made safe. Can I tell you, the blood still works. The blood still works. Just driving down the road, thank you God for the blood. That was shed for my life. That it heals, it delivers, it sets people free. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. Can I tell you, the world's trying to give you all kinds of tricks of the trade. The word still works if you work it. The word still works if you work it. Let's work the word this week. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.